Hi guys, before we start this episode, we just want to let you know it's our birthday. Well, actually, it was our birthday last month, but the horn rat came to us in a vision and said that we should celebrate on the 13th month because, you know, he's quirky like that. Anyway, to celebrate, we've prepared a couple of treats for you. The first is a preview of our new bonus series, We Couldn't Help It, a collection of outtakes and offcuts that didn't make the main episode because they were either shite or unbroadcastable. The series will be released in the coming months as a new Patreon tier, and you can listen to the preview free of charge today by going to layingdownthelore.com forward slash birthday. The second is our brand new merch store, which we're very excited about. We've got a collection of Laying Down the Lore and Juggerbuff goodies on there right now, which will be shipping in May. Head over to layingdownthelore.com forward slash shop and place your pre-order today. Finally, a massive thank you to you all for all of your support over the last year. It's been amazing. We've had so much fun and we've got heaps planned for the future. We're really, really excited. So thank you again. And without further ado, let's roll. Hello and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore, a monthly podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, our snotlings from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our blood letters, and generally ask, what up with this Warhammer stuff? My name is Ben Crone Barber and I know fuck all about Warhammer. With me is my co-host Christopher Crallen Allen. Hello. Who also knows fuck all about Warhammer. Very true. And my dear brother Darren. What up, chodes? who knows so much about Warhammer, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Hello. Hello. Hello, all. Darren, just had a thought. This is, what episode are we on? 14. 14? Episode 13. 14? 14, 14, excuse me. So we've heard the intro 14 times, and I think I know it pretty well. I think you and I should have a go at just reciting it off the top of our head, off the back of what the amount of times that Ben said it. Yes, go for it. Just as a thing. I didn't mean now, but fuck it. Let's do it now. Okay, hold on a sec. No, may I just be the first to say, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. I just hear like a buzzing, and then there's an, a space, and I talk. That's what happened. <laughs> he- <laughs> Selective tinnitus kicking so you in. Crow, right? You you have a go at my part, I'll have a go at your part. <laughs> I'll do you if you do me. God, now now I'm put on the spot. I can't actually think. It's something like and you just said it like a minute ago. Ooh, I'm Ben. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Hello, my name's Ben fucking Chrome Barber. Blah 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 blah. That, that's what you sound like. You guys are awful to me. You guys are just, <laughs> just awful. Hey, I'm just happy you've got a t-shirt with sleeves on, finally. Oh, yeah. Not only a t-shirt with sleeves on, but branded t-shirts, bitch, yo. Why are you wow. pointing at it? It's audio only. <laughs> <laughs> I was just drawing your attention to it. Just for everyone listening, I'm wearing a, a Laying Down Lore branded tuxedo right now at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm wearing a Laying Down the Lore branded thong, so <laughs> your move. Uh, okay, so I'll keep doing the intro. Is that is that is that the yeah. conclusion of this? Yeah. yeah okay, great. Yeah. Growl, uh, you know, I hate to bring it up again, but you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but you know, any any word from the orcs? 
Well, like I said before, they they will get back to you, but we can read between the lines that often means they're not going to get back to you. So once more, I just want to let you know that the halflings are still, not only is the uh, opportunity vacant, they are keen specifically to talk to you. Are you interested? I wouldn't hold your breath for the orcs is all I'll say. Knowing how unreliable they are, I wouldn't hold your breath. Well, some new information has come to light. Mm. And Mm. I'm not going to lie. The halfling offer is looking a little bit more interesting now than than it was earlier this oh, week. Yeah. So it transpires that the Greenskins they heard my work with the Skaven Choir. I mean, who hasn't? I mean, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they thought they'd have a crack at it themselves, so they sent me a demo tape. And um, fuck off, get out of town. So I'd, I'll play it to you, and you can tell me what you think. Which clan? Which produced? Who produced it? Who mixed it, mastered I, I, it? Where I was... don't know. I don't know. It literally just says the Green Skin Choir. Um, right. So, yeah. It's actually specifically the Green Skin Gork and Mork Choir. You know, I, I, I have uh, no okay. idea yeah. who produced yeah. it. But it yeah. also says yeah. that uh, they've got, there's a few special guests. Uh, the Clan Mulder Menagerie, which I thought was quite an interesting collaboration. And, wow. Um, and, and strangely, Father Jack from Father Ted. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to play this to you now. <laughs> Yeah, go with the halflings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, bless them. They tried. They tried. I just, I just don't think they've got the harmonies right. You know? <laughs> but needless to say, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I won't be waiting for that offer. So I'm, no. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm just questioning why they sent you that. What were they trying to sell you? I think because you know they're say they're trying to show potential. I think that's what they're saying. Right. It's like you know, yeah, we could yeah. be great. Look what we can help. do. Look at our range. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Crallon, what happened last episode? Well, well Ben, what happened last episode was <laughs> I can barely remember because, as we know, we had a bit of a delay for various reasons. So, in true Crallon style, I'm just going to read off what Darren told me in WhatsApp. Here we go. <laughs> we focused, last episode, we focused on the great war of Gorbad Ironclaw, the rise of the Ironclad tribe, and their devastating invasion of the Old World. We also looked at the sacking of the Moot, the ruin of Talibheim and Nuln. Did I, Talibheim? Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. The ruin of Talibheim and Nuln. The final confrontation of Altdorf, which involved Wyverns, etc. How did that, how did that come across? Is that all right? Is it good? Was that it? That was the shortest recap. That was it. I'm done. Amen.
that was fine. I mean, I had banked on you taking those notes and then using the Wikipedia like you usually do, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and then telling us a bunch of stuff that Dar didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and overcompensating. And I was puzzling over it for a while. Like, was, I, was I here during the last recording? <laughs> hey, listen, you get what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't paid a cent. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure more happened. I'm sure it did. I'm sure Darren's going to just kind of expand on what I've just summarized, right? Yeah, I mean, and the only bit I really remember, because I, I usually blank these things out as soon as the record's finished, is um, <laughs> the target practicing the halflings as they cross the River Aver. Oh, so, yeah. Hilariously brutal. And then all the halfling games and the torture. and the, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so fuck halflings. What did they call? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. They might be future clients, all right? I'll have enough of that. Yeah, of yours. <laughs> if you're li- if you're listening, halflings. Um, yeah, I got your back. Um, what what was the thing they did where they put a snotling and a halfling in a barrel? Was that was it barrel barrel fighting, barrel bash or barrel battle or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> barrel bash. It sounds like a Donkey Kong level. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something you go through at university. <laughs> barrel bash, barrel bash, barrel bash. <laughs> I still don't know who my money is on for for the halfling and the snotling. The halflings snotling... weren't really built for, for for combat, though, were they? You know, no. they're an arboreal kind of race where the snotlings will fucking just. You know what I mean? Rip them apart. But Did then you again, say arboreal. Is that right? I don't know. Is that right? Arboreal, like like a. Have I just? Completely used the wrong word, probably. Arboreal. Agrarian. Agrarian? Yeah, halflings are agrarian. They're like uh, pastoral farmers. Yeah. That that's the that's the description I was aiming for. <laughs> yeah. An arboreal arboreal is an animal that climbs and lives in trees. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Oh my god, you're a fucking monkey. Oh, I'm so glad I pulled you up on that. <laughs> I thought, I thought you had just taught me a new word. It's just brilliant now that I've got an image of a halfling version of Tarzan. <laughs> I'm just going to use it as like a, a slander. Stop being so arboreal. <laughs> yeah. Go climb a tree, you arboreal shit. So what was the word that he actually meant to use? Agrarian. Agrarian. Go climb uh, still- a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Agrarian relating to cultivated land or the cultivation of land. Okay, yeah, that makes much more sense. Okay, so our money's on the snotling. Then is that what we're saying? Yeah, but you know, you corner a halfling. Who They're knows both what about the same height? But the halfling is like wiry, more and, arboreal. Um, yeah, <laughs> the halfling has that weird arboreal farmer gene. Strangely strong, <laughs> but he's not on comfortable territory because he's in a barrel and not up a fucking tree. Yeah, but it's, it's like he's in his. One assumes Chris arboreal halflings have nests, so he's in his nest. <laughs> oh man, oh, arboreal halfling! Right, arboreal halflings are now a thing. Yes, it's also the title of this episode. <laughs> that's a sitter so this month I thought we'd continue uh, having a look at some of the more famous green skin characters that have existed throughout the history of Warhammer 
last month we looked at Gorbad Ironclaw, a cracking uh, miniature, no pun intended, because he likes to punch walls. <laughs> and that was the, if you recall, the largest army of greenskins since the founding of the empire. So it was something like 1,700 and change years uh, since the... <laughs> I thought you were going to say orcs. I was like, that doesn't sound like very... It does not sound much at all. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to remember, they did have the uh, arboreal badger halfling cavalry. Um, <laughs> the, yes! Yes! Badgers make a comeback. <laughs> arboreal badgers. Arboreal badgers. Those tree-dwelling badgers. They'll get you, man. They'll get you. Oh, man. <laughs> So Gorrad Ironclaw, second largest orc war in recorded history. This month, we'll have a look at a couple of characters, but we're going to start with Grom the Paunch. So Grom the Paunch uh, had arguably an equally sized uh, war, um, which was uh, unusual for a goblin. But certainly he had the most devastating why, because it devastated not only the old world or huge tracts of the old world, but also beyond. I think if people remember Gorbad destroyed like a, a strip of land, quite a wide strip of land, but basically half the empire. Grom would come to conquer almost all of the empire before disappearing. So can I can I just ask before we go on? So Grom the Ponch was a goblin. Gorbad Ironclaw was an orc. Yeah. Was Grom the Ponch's war? Did it also include orcs? Like yes. in terms of so 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 in terms of kind of hierarchical structure, you had actually a goblin above orc and orc. Oh tribes. yes, and we'll we'll get into that. It's really I think as we've discussed previously, it's Darwinian evolution. The strongest survives or the most well-placed or well-adapted survives. And he certainly became that and fought off all comers, if you'll excuse the phrase. (laughs) So we start our tale with Grom the Paunch at what's described as the Battle of the Belly. Uh, He was a young goblin boss, a, a minor warlord for the Broken Axe tribe. So very much middle management. (laughs) <laughs> if we can use that idea. And at the Battle of the Belly, as it became known, the forces arrayed against each other was half a troll corpse and Grom's appetite. This is the uh, the extent of the combatants in the Battle of the Belly. <laughs> Basically, Grom ate a load of troll flesh now. As we'll recall from various settings, trolls regenerate so and regenerate relatively quickly. So there was a constant state of regeneration and digestion within the system of Grom, who grew to, and I quote, fucking enormous size. Uh, he. <laughs> Where did you quote that from? Where was that cited from? Uh, that was from a, a kid's book, one of these hard cardboard kid's books that games were pop-ups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking massive. Just every, every page has just got a picture and the word look. Apart from one page where it says fucking enormous size. It's fucking enormous. Um, He almost instantly started to put on weight because his digestion was incredibly quick. His metabolism, goblin metabolism, is quite fast. The troll flesh was constantly regenerating, so he had effectively a constant belly full of steak, which gave him huge protein injections, so he became very muscly, but he also became enormously fat. It was said that the true victim of the 
Battle of the Belly was his ability to see his legs. It was apparently the last day he ever saw his legs. I felt like that at Christmas, man. <laughs> Honestly, I think my dad might have slipped some troll flesh in at Christmas dinner because there is there is way more of me than there was a month ago. <laughs> yeah, he said it was spiced beef. <laughs> spiced troll. I just imagine Grom like looking at himself from the side, like in a mirror, like just stroking his butt again. Damn, <laughs> put on a bit of timber. <laughs> right, yeah. After New Year, fucking new diet, new me. Get on the treadmill. <laughs> I'm gonna do it, Joe. What's it, Joe Wicks? Leaning fifteen. Joe Wicks. I'm committing. I'm committing. Six a.m. Wake up. Oh, what's the Warhammer equivalent of Joe Wicks? <laughs> That'd be amazing. It'll be one of the arboreal halflings, wouldn't it? They're good at cooking. <laughs> it's the arboreal workout. The arboreal <laughs> climb workout. up and down trees. So. <laughs> So in the space in the space of twenty four hours, he very much went through what I like to call a reverse Jared from Subway. So he went from skinny to fat minus pedophilia. So it, it really did uh, kick in for him. Uh, he became so fat and so strong. You remember this is all protein that he eventually became the big boss of the uh, Broken X tribe, and continued to amass weight. So ultimately, he could only get around on a chariot, Mr. Chris. Question. I'm, I'm putting my hands up here for the listeners who can't see that politely. So Gron the Porch, basically, he became massive and therefore he became the leader of the tribe. Did you say there's a, oh, you're huge. You're, you're by default. You are the leader. You're massive. Eye-wateringly big. That's why Darren's our leader. <laughs> or did he, or did he have to you know overthrow the current leader or anything like that? A show a strength of might. He ate the current leader. <laughs> well, yeah, touche. <laughs> no, he, he over time he uh, killed all the opposition. He was not only fat, but it, it was all protein. So he became very strong and muscly sure. underneath that. Very much sure. like I think the goblin version of a sumo wrestler. If you can imagine what that would be like. Or you see like the world's strongest man shows where the guys are just yeah. like pure bulk they look fat but actually mm. they're just absolutely muscle yeah, yeah if yeah, you can yeah, if yeah. you can imagine the thor thor magna thor whatever his name is the guy that played the mountain the mountain the Game of Thrones. yeah yeah oh yeah yeah if you can imagine him with a huge stomach that's grom the paunch got it yeah and, and green yeah. and yeah well and green and not from iceland um, <laughs> and the goblin <laughs> apart from that <laughs> the spit is the spit basically the same dude so um obviously on his meteoric rise more really a shuffle he gained a lot of notoriety conquered a lot of the surrounding lands at the top of the badlands gained a lot of loot and as of course with we've seen in the past many more tribes joined him so he got a kind of mini wah or uh, going. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Greenskins being Greenskins, he decided to take a bit of a stroll and hit opposing uh, forces with his axe. So <laughs> he headed up into the Badlands, started throwing his weight around. When he uh, tried to cross into the Empire, he was opposed by the real kind of powerhouse of that region, which was an orc called Zok Gutstabber of the Gutstabber clan. And Grom had a lot of gut to be stabbed, I guess. So, Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So Gutstabber and his clan, his tribe, were throwing their weight around. Mr. Gutstabber had conquered 
almost all of the night goblins that lived within Thunder Mountain. Again, if listeners will recall, those are the ones, the goblins, the subterranean goblins who dress like monks. Um, are they troglodytic? <laughs> ben, you look so smug. You arboreal <laughs> prick. <laughs> Go climb a tree. I get emails from Word of the Day. Um, <laughs> Is that actually my Word of the Day? To- my Warhammer Word of the Day toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wiped my ass with troglodytic and with troglodytic arboreal. And schadenfreude. <laughs> So coming up against this orc warlord, most of the goblins under Grom's command wanted to submit to this orc's power. Goblins being, in general, submissive towards orcs. It's the might makes right, as it were, in that world. Grom decided, fuck that, or whatever the goblin equivalent is, and set out to gut stab it in a one-on-one in a duel. Now, that's not normally what happens. Usually, Gutstabber would have uh, sent out a small force to ambush Grom. But for some reason, Gutstabber allowed Grom to pass. All his troops stood down. And eventually, he made his way into the main kind of settlement for Gutstabber, where Gutstabber and his kind of orc war council were waiting for him. It should be noted that the orc was significantly taller than Grom, but they were both roughly the same width. The orc being there with complete kind of muscles and what have you, or sorry, he looked like an Icelandic bodybuilder, again (laughs) green, whereas Grom looked as previously described. With a huge roar, Gutstabber ran right at Grom and sliced him from throat to crotch with his chopper. Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. The troll... The the troll flesh that he consumed helped him recover... Wait, 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 as looking at it, it just kind of zipped wow. up, very much like Wolverine. Holy fuck. Yeah. So if you can imagine then a kind of relatively tall, incredibly obese goblin with a massive two-handed axe just went mental and sliced up Gutstabber in short order and then worked his way through all of the orc warlords and war bosses within the Gutstabber tribe until eventually he was the only kind of boss-level being in the entire vicinity in the settlement so he by default managed to absorb not only the gutstabber tribe but all their night goblin servants that dwelt under the mountain wow so exhausted from this expenditure of energy was grom that he just collapsed on the ground he just sat down and his own broken axe tribe eventually made their way to the to the settlement lifted up the enormous goblin, and it was revealed that he had actually sat on a small night goblin who was kind of splayed on the ground underneath, <laughs> embedded in the cartoon. Like one of those like flower pressings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you ever see the book that our sister Sandra has, which is Pressed Fairies? 
So it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like flowers, but so uh, illustration funny. of press fairies. <laughs> so but dark. this night goblin was still alive. And so impressed was Grom by this uh, feat of survival that he became, Niblet is the night goblin's name, he became his personal standard bearer and joined him on his chariot, waving his flag, as it were. Cute. Just because he got sat on and survived. Just because he survived being sat on by the world's fattest goblin. Oh, you survived a sitting on. How long did he sit on him? Oh, about 12 hours. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, that's a big sit. That's too big long. Big sit. I'm going to be honest. You wonder, though, night goblins are voraciously hungry. So did he eat some of the guy's ass? And then it just <laughs> healed. <laughs> this is all getting a bit blue. <laughs> green. Or green. <laughs> um, I have a query. Go for Ron it. On the paunch, ain't troll flesh, and therefore he got massive because of it. Did any of the other goblins or any of the greenskins cut on to this and try the same tactic at all to become massive? I don't know. Okay. It's not in any kind of uh, written record that I've come across. I suspect mm. that Grom might have worked out that this was a huge advantage to him and banned everyone from doing it. Yeah, um, fine. Don't eat trollfish. It'll give you the shits. Or, or not told them that he'd done it. Like yeah, or not secret. told them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Fair enough. Yeah. Let's pretend he did it on himself, and he was smart enough to keep it to himself. And the other and the other greenskins were too stupid to realize. Yeah. Let's do that. So milling around, he suddenly found himself in charge of a effectively a wa that had blossomed into three times its original size because of the absorption of the gut stabbers and their night goblin slaves. So he decided, you know what? Let's just keep this caravan going, see how far we can get. Uh, he started Let's getting... keep this conga line up. Yeah. He started to be joined by more and more influential shamans and war bosses, and they were all hungry for loot and power and the usual avaricious nature of greenskins. The usual arboreal nature of greenskins, yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you get down from that tree. We're going on a conga. <laughs> you're listening to WFBB Classics. If you like your sports brief and bloody, you're in the right place. It's the Mootland Barrel Bash 2410, and tonight's lineup promises to be a doozy. Playing on home turf, the Mootland's very own full bar Swift Whistle, known to his countrymen as the Cabbage Butcher. And representing our green invaders, Grot Noggin Munch, the Iron Rock Ankle Biter. We're coming to you live from the Mootland Megatome. Good evening, I'm Jeffrey Truffles, and with me is my co-anchor and heterosexual life partner, Bert Binderfarm. Thanks, Jeffrey. Glad to be here, glad to be wearing pants, and glad to be hosting Barrel Bash 2410. I am excited. <laughs> me too, Bert, me too. Now, what can you tell us about our contestants? Well, Jeffrey, they both look in good shape, both about three foot high. One is green and keen, and the other one is a prisoner in his own home, so probably not that keen. <laughs> That's understandable, Bert. Having your home taken over by a horde of greenskins can't do much for motivation. 
Now, what kind of strategy can we expect to see on both sides tonight, Bert? Oh, I don't know, Jeffrey. All the usual. Nagamunch will likely opt for the tried-and-tested technique of kicking, punching, and biting, while Swift Whistle is more likely to go for one of those reserve strategies, like running away and trying to stay alive. All righty, then. Thanks, Bert. Let's head over barrel side, where the ref is about to cram the contestants in the barrel. Right, I want an unfair fight, plenty of action below the belt, and the first one to cry gets me chopper. Right, ready, set... And they're off. Ooh, that's a sly little right hook from Noggin Munch, and Swift Whistle appears to be running away in circles, just as predicted, Bert. I knew it, Jeffrey, I knew it. You see, it's a very cramped space down there, so if you do run away, it does have to be in circles. You're not wrong, Bert. It is a small space. Frankly, it's amazing they could fit them both in there. While they're doing laps, seems like a good time to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Grom's Arboreal Workout. When your weight ain't declining, give those trees a climbing. All right, back to the action. Noggin Munch has caught up with Swift Whistle, pinned him to the ground, and is currently smashing his head repeatedly into the floor. Can't see this going well for Swift Whistle, Bert. It's not looking good, Jeffrey. What kind of response can we expect from Swift Whistle here, Bert? Crying mainly, I imagine, Jeffrey. Seems about right. But wait, what's this? Swift Whistle appears to have pulled what looks like a pie from behind his back. Where did that come from, Bert? I do not know, Jeffrey. That halfling is butt naked. Best we don't ask questions then, Bert. Swift Whistle has eaten the pie in one go and appears to be swelling in size. I've never seen anything like it. It's pretty unusual, Jeffrey, but so's two midgets fighting in a barrel. Haha, <laughs> you are not wrong there, my friend. Okay, Nagamunch is scrabbling backwards, not really anywhere for him to go. Swift Whistle has got him by the throat, he's lifting him up, and whoa, whoa hold on, what is he doing with his mouth? Oh my god! <laughs> Sweet Sigmar's budgie! He's bitten Nagamunch's face off! Whoa, he is not going to be able to see well with no face, Jeffrey. No, he is not, Bert. No, he is not. I tell you, in all my career, I've never seen anything like this. Astonishing. No doubt people at home will be wondering what the hell was in that pie. And how did he smuggle it in there? Like I said, Bert, best not to ask. Well, there you have it in a frankly disturbing turn of events. Full Bar Swift Whistle, champion of Barrel Bash 2410. <laughs> Who saw that one coming? Join us again next year for another exciting episode of Midgets Killing Each Other in Small Spaces. He's been Burt Binderfarm. And he's been Jeffrey Truffles. Stay tuned for a message from our sponsors. So in uh, 2410, by the Imperial Calendar, he mounted an expedition away through Blackfire Pass. Now, uh, as our listeners will accurately recall, that is one of the few mountain passes between the Border Princes and the Southern Empire. Isn't that that thing where that uh, skyscraper fell over? Skyscraper? No. No, you can't remember that? Okay, it doesn't matter. You, descri- oh. you tried to describe a wall. Yeah, it's only funny when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> So passing through the remnants of this huge wall, which I think I'd previously described as a skyscraper. It is, now you get to say it. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> Fuck's sake. It is funnier when you say it, Darren. <laughs> well, because now you all remember it. <laughs> so manning the defenses of the Blackfire Pass, including the accurately remembered by Ben remnants of skyscraper, <laughs> <laughs> was the dwarven force you. of King Bragaric and ultimately led to this enormous battle of the Iron Gate, 
where the forces of Grom smashed against the Dwarven forces, but it ended in a stalemate with the Dwarf losses being so significant that they retreated into their mountain holds and requested aid from the Empire as Grom's army marched through and laid siege to the various Dwarven settlements and holds around there. It should also be noted that there was this huge Dwarven statue in Blackfire Pass, kind of announcing their ownership of the land. And what Grom had done was basically to recarve the statue into a very crude effigy of himself. So he went <laughs> from this you know, amazingly beautiful looking Dwarven statue of, of kind of nobility and power into this kind of spindly legged obese goblin. And that just <laughs> incensed the dwarves. That reminds me of a statue, a bronze statue that was uh, uh, produced by some artist. It was meant to be Cristiano Ronaldo, the footballer. Oh, yes, I've seen that. Yeah. Have you seen that? And it's just like, no. <laughs> it just wasn't done very well. Does he look like a goblin? <laughs> look like a goblin. Yeah. Oh, it looks hilarious. like Gr- Grom the Fit. but that's the point you you know what I mean if you're going to do a goblin statue I guess the the uglier you make it the better it's going to be the more realistic eh? especially if your main goal is not only to announce your own power but to piss off the dwarves which I think is one of the reasons why we started this podcast Mm. Mm. (laughs) so they were incensed by it it made the book of grudges they were incest, but no, incense. Jesus Christ, Ben, you're learning so much today. It's it's beautiful right. to watch. So they so they right, okay. So they so they lit a bunch of joysticks, right? Let's go <laughs> Some Nag Champa. <laughs> Sandalwood. Chris has just gone off into this kind of Zen shopping list. <laughs> he's, doing, he's actually just looking back on the shelf at his array of incense. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I want to buy some tie-dye tops. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, unfortunately for the dwarves, the emperor at the time was Dieter IV, who was is described as the most feckless, self-involved man that has ever existed. Even worse than, what's his name? If you say my name, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you're you're not self-involved at all, Ben. You're not self-involved. Um, or at least that's what you keep telling me. I, I think his name is Boris. Boris Goldgatherer. Oh, Boris Goldgatherer, yeah. Yeah, remember the one during the Black Plague who kind of just closed his doors. And fucking just party. I love yeah. that. You remember Boris Goldgatherer, but you don't remember Darren describing a wall as an on-its-side skyscraper. All right, Ben, get over it, pal. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're get over it. You might need a ladder, but you'll get over it. <laughs> That's a fucking big ladder. Jesus Christ, can you imagine? <laughs> the capital of the empire at that time uh, was in Nuln. And what Nuln. Dieter did very swiftly when his allies called for aid is to relocate the capital from Nuln to Altdorf. That is when the capital of the empire became Altdorf. Wow. Was that, that seems like quite a snap decision, simple process. Was it just a matter oh, yeah. of renaming it? Like, did they need to like move everything over? Oh there? yes, yeah, yeah. They mo- he okay. moved his entire court and the armies from Nuln to Altdorf, effectively stunning the dwarf messenger at the outrageous kind of lack of assistance. And when it was reported back to the dwarven kings. 
it was met with both stoicism and a fresh entry in the Book of Grudges. Uh, hmm. So the dwarves did not take kindly to that. Grom, in the meantime, had continued to fight through the mountains and managed to get up into the Eastern Empire. Now, again, if listeners will remember, when you go through Blackfire Pass, you head east, there's an old dwarven road that leads up the eastern side of the empire. And Grom had started to do that. As his horde moved forward, it was joined uh, continuously by more and more greenskin tribes, both up from the Badlands and from the Darklands. So you started to see tribes of black orcs come in, the really super tough ones. And night goblins, forest goblins. I mean, I can see why. I mean, a conga line is just irresistible, isn't it? You've got to join it. Once you hear that, you don't know where it's going. You just like, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to just join it. Oh yeah, something that popular has got to be good, right? It's got to be going. Especially if the guy at the front is a huge fat guy on a chariot. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's like that Simpsons episode where uh, they're in the fun fair and they join the queue and he's like, oh, any queue this long has got to be great. And then it just fast forwards to the front of the queue and it's the complaint slide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to think of an analogy because you guys kind of have said in the past you enjoy my analogies. So the Wagrom, if it was to be like a, a conga, it would be like a conga at a drunken Scots-Irish wedding where the person in front is morbidly obese on a mobility scooter. (laughs) Picture this. Picture this. (laughs) And someone there has six breasts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You you just described it as wire-grom. Wire-grom. Is that the correct description of a wire? Not grom's wire, but a wire-grom. Like yeah, Wackrowl. Wackrowl. Can you imagine Wackrowl? <laughs> <laughs> it certainly makes you think twice about Waluigi. <laughs> yeah. But is, that, is a, that the correct way of saying it then? Is it, is it yeah, Wa it's, and then whoever it's, inspires? Yes. It's the, it's the word Wa followed by the first name of the greenskin in question. Right. So we've had Wa Gorbad and now we've got Wa Grom. So as Wagrom swelled even further, pun intended, um, <laughs> he effectively became ruler of half the empire. Par for course with Greenskins, the first thing they did was devastate Stirland, which included the Moot, the Halflings, once again, both agrarian and arboreal, became the butt <laughs> of various goblin tortures. And so horrific was the devastation that it was thought that halflings had become extinct. Instead, they had hid. So, Stirland was destroyed, Talibic land was destroyed, and it ranged as far as Hawkland, one of the other provinces to the west. So, he effectively controlled, as I said, half the empire. One of the things that was unusual about Wagrom was he was happy to leave cities by themselves. So effectively, we had a replication of the empire under the Black Plague, where cities were where humanity dwelt, and everything else was controlled by another force. Originally, uh, in the Black Plague, it was Skaven. In Wagram, it was the goblins, or greenskins. So, so, so they would conquer, they would conquer these regions, these cities, Grom would just move onward with another band of his 
greenskins to keep conquering and just let I don't know Nolm do its thing, you know, and let the greenskins uh, just work it out or something like that. Is that what happened? Is that what you say? Effectively, yes. Uh, really, you're looking at an army of such magnitude, of such size, that it's um, comprised of so many different tribes that the tribes started to fracture. Uh, there were no armies of uh, significant size in one place to be able to lay siege to cities. They just raided countrysides, both farmlands and forests, hills, mountains, and other geographical features. Uh, Got it. But we're happy to stay outside of cities because it would require a level of organization that the Wad didn't really have. Ah, they avoided actually settling in the cities because they preferred... Yes. Yeah, they preferred not to be in the cities because that takes some effort to run a city. So it's more kind of like guerrilla tactics in the surrounding areas. Well, it's more that they effectively ruled everything outside of cities. Mm, uh, right. They were the power there. They didn't need to resort to guerrilla tactics. There was just huge war bands roaming the countrysides all the time. Right. <clears throat> Jesus. Got it. So don't go outside the cities, is what you're Oh, saying. yeah. Right. So there was one exception to this, and that was the city of Nuln itself. This, as we mentioned, was where the original capital of the empire was, and that kind of news got around the greenskin world. So we decided, right, we're going to uh, go in and wreck the place. They entered pretty much unopposed. It seems to be that they got in within a few hours of laying siege to the place, and they devastated the inside. It was just, if you can imagine, Ministereth at the end of the movie where it's just everything's rubble and flames and shitty halflings running around. Of particular note was the fact that the defences of the city had been eroded over time through the rule of Dieter IV, and everything that was should have been armoured was instead marbled. It was an incredibly gaudy place to be. It was a kind of showcase of the nouveau riche emperor. Uh, All skirt and, and no knickers. Like, look at this lovely gold-plated cannon can't really do much damage but it looks great oh absolutely yeah <laughs> it melts and, when you fire it <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that another one night stand story bit um <laughs> name of my first sex tape <laughs> <laughs> um so grom took up residence in dieter's palace of gold the emperor's kind of dwelling in none and it is said that the streets vibrated with the sounds of chariot racing and, uh, and kind of drunken yeah of drunken <laughs> uh, orcs and goblins <laughs> uh, can they get can, can green skins get drunk yes well they they have of course as we've discussed previously ash spiders they have mushroom brews uh, so they kind of get high i feel and like drunk. they drink grog yeah grog is yeah. their drink of choice i don't know where i've heard that brewed from halflings exactly <laughs> from happenings. So it sounds like, I mean, the, the vast majority of their drinks are psychedelic in nature. Yeah, I, I'd say that, that that's fair. Okay. Fair enough. So really, at this stage, Wagrom seemed to kind of founder. We had, as I said before, the entirety of the Wag kind of was dispersed across the empire. And a real kind of issue was the Black Orcs who had come over from the Darklands. They're the very warlike, uh, brutal orcs. They became quite frustrated with this kind of lull in both fighting and looting. Wagram was not unopposed, however, in its spread across the empire. 
Prince Wilhelm, the cousin of uh, Dieter IV, the feckless emperor, had an army of sufficient size to be able to start picking off the smaller tribes and the smaller groups of greenskins. And eventually this meant that he was able to keep not only Altdorf safe, but the Reichland, which is the province within which Altdorf is situated. It's also mm-hmm. the breadbasket of the empire. So he was able then to keep the emperor safe, the population of Reichland safe, and then feed them and also send food to other cities through kind of very heavily armoured caravans escorted by his army. God, this guy sounds like a proper hero. Surely the Greenskins would have put a target on Reichland then and outdoor and gone, we need to take that zone out. And specifically that dude. Yeah. Yes, and speci- well, this is what we would do. Unfortunately, Grom was happily ensconced in Nuln and really had sort of given up any ambition to conquer anything further. It peaked. Yeah, right. okay. <laughs> it was then. It was around this time, at this kind of very kind of stalemate stage where you had almost all of the empire conquered, save for the cities. Uh, so that it had fallen into a lull. There was a lull in the kind of overall campaign. And it was then that his kind of head shaman, his chief shaman, Old Blacktooth, claimed to have had a vision from Gork and or Mork um. to take to the sea. What? <laughs> Very unusual for Greenskins to take to the sea. To uh, peculiar. Make a naval expedition. Being arboreal and everything, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a huge amount of shipbuilding up in those trees, is there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I would say that shipbuilding is quite the enemy of the arboreal race, really, isn't it? Seeing as you need the trees to make the boats. <laughs> but wait, we need the boats to make the trees. But if you put a load of trees just standing up on a boat, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Prince Wilhelm, isn't that a really, really angry-looking floating forest heading towards us? (laughs) (laughs) So, on the advice of old Blacktooth, the Blacktooth spelt the word black and then T-O-O-F, Blacktooth. Nice. The Black Orcs then started to pressure Grom and his leadership to pull a finger out and let's get going and head to the sea. They head north, devastate Nordland, which, you know, as the name suggests, is in the north, uh, and effectively deforested whole provinces of the <sighs> empire because the Wa had grown to such a size now that it was several million greenskins strong. Wow. It was just like a green wave washing over the empire. So is this Wa bigger than the previous two that we've talked about then? No, but it's more devastating. It devastates more of the empire. So which of the previous ones was bigger then? Uh, the first one. The first one. Ah, okay. Yeah, the one that resulted in the formation of the empire. Do you remember that that big battle they had at Blackfire Pass? There was a big wall there. It kind of looked like a skyscraper on its side. <laughs> I hate you. I really, really hate you. <laughs> they get to the coast and they begin the largest construction effort the old world has ever seen. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of ships are built from rafts through to large cruiser-style boats. Now, the orcs have, as we've discussed previously, genetic memory. 
which resulted in the same ships, same types of ships being built over and over again. And they were outlined in the game Man of War, which was this naval yeah. battle game. And we'll chuck some images of that in the show notes, because for the life of me, I can't remember what they're fucking called. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to laying down some of the lore. <laughs> so the fleet constructed hundreds of thousands of craft, millions of green skins. They all board, they all head west. Now, if you're looking at a map of the old world, they're kind of at the top of the empire. They're heading west down along the coast, pursued and kind of scouted by the imperial fleet, led by Admiral von Kronitz. Really, he wanted no, to avoid... No, he's not called Kron... He's called Kronix. Kronitz. T-I-Z-E. Kronitz. 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 Oh, I thought he was like a... Just well in a weed. <laughs> Admiral Chronic had no idea what was happening at any time. <laughs> what? What was that, man? Yeah, no. Let's let's go. Yeah, let's go get him. Let's go get him. Totally. Hey, pa- pass that ball. <laughs> hey, Captain, wake me when it's twenty past four, and we'll do something. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Got the mad bunches. Try this troll meat, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> So he really wanted just to keep an eye on where the fleet was going, what the impacts were. It was leaving the Empire. That was really what he was happy about. Unfortunately, there was a huge storm which smashed the two fleets together, resulting in half of the Imperial fleet sinking to the bottom of the Sea of Claws, which is that strip of water at the top of the Old World. Um, Yeah, with half the fleet destroyed, he retreated all the way to Marienburg. Marienburg. Again, if you'll recall, that's the province nestled between the Empire and Bretonia. There's a small strip of land representative of Holland, or the Low Countries in our world. Mm. Now, Grom's fleet was skirting down the coast of the Empire, heading west, and it was taking resources and supplies as much as it could from the coastal regions as it went. So the big fear was they were going to head to Marienburg, which just had thousands of warehouses of trade goods, which would make easy pickings for a greenskin wire of that size and would resupply and reinvigorate them with that amount of loot. That, once again, is where a mysterious storm, the weather, unusual weather, took place and shifted the fleet further west. They were unable to get into Marienburg at all. And that really is where Wagram passes from record in the Old World. It was last sighted off the coast of Britannia, heading west. The coastline of Bretonia was just littered with innumerable wrecks from shoddily built boats and crafts and rafts, floats. They had what I'm going to assume is like (laughs) inflatable troll bladders that they were bouncing on behind these uh, (laughs) goblin-powered pedalos. Um, (laughs) And so they passed from the old world, but they did not pass from existence. The mysterious winds and storms blew them further west and further west until they came across huge fog banks 
and <sighs> moving islands and mysterious monsters leaping left, right, and center. Very busy place by the sounds of it. <laughs> and sound. then, <laughs> How do you get a cab from Pretty there? overwhelming. <laughs> so I don't know where to look. <laughs> well, I mean, we devastated oh. Nuln, but this is spectacular. <laughs> But the storm that was driving the war fleet of Grom forward blew through all of these anomalies, which turned out to be the defences of the eastern coast of Ulthuin. And so ultimately, Wagrom made landfall on the home of the High Elves in a region called... Now, this is where we're going to get into pronunciation trouble. Could you please try and pronounce for me a word spelt Y-V-R-E-S-S-E? Hold on, let me write it down. Y-V... Y-V-R-E-S-S-E. Yvrese. 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 Go on, Kral. Ivorice. I'm going to say Ivorice. I've. But no, no, because the R and the E would be the other way around. <laughs> Ivers. Fuck it. I'm just going to call it Barry. So they landed <laughs> okay. on the high elf and region they landed of Barry. On the beaches <laughs> of Grimsby. Of Grimsby. Of Grimsby. <laughs> of Cleethorpe. Okay, so so they landed in Barry. So we've la- <laughs> So they've landed in Ivris. We'll call it Ivris. And once again, Wagrom being Wagrom, they started to devastate the land around them. Concrete, take over small farmsteads. They destroyed elves of high and or arboreal wood elves kind. They uh, (laughs) devastated the land around them and basically had a good old time just campaigning around the high elf region of Barry. Just fucking shit up. Yeah. Being being Wagrom. But old Blacktooth, if we can remember, the chief shaman was referred to as old Blacktooth, decided that he didn't like these tall, spindly needles that were dotted around the high elf countryside and just started to tip them over and destroy them and shatter the gems that were on them. He (gasps) was going around destroying waystones. Whoa. Well done, Chris. Not cool. I love the earnestness with which Ben just said, well done, Chris. <laughs> that was fast, mate. I mean, it was fast. That son of a bitch. What's his I name? Blackface. The, <laughs> Blackfeet, motherfucker. <laughs> over, over, <laughs> over the course of a summer, they destroyed over a hundred of these waystones in and around shit. Ivris. Ivers. Barry. Barry. Um, <laughs> aka Barry <laughs> now of course they didn't they, they were not again they were not unopposed you had the warden of Tor of Reese, or Tor Barry was uh, putting up a spirited defence uh, using the swift blades arrows dragons cavalry some one assumes some sort of angry cat uh, all these kinds of forces <laughs> available to the high elves, uh, war budgies, that kind of idea. Um, <laughs> war budgies. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they took a, a heavy toll on the forces of Wagrom. Eventually, 
However, Wyagrom had conquered the whole of the region of Ivris slash Barry and had laid siege to Tor Ivris um, slash Barry. Slash Barry, uh, <laughs> where the the warden of Tor Barry was kind of a <laughs> local prince, the local king. And in a huge duel, in a huge duel, unfortunately, the high elf king was taken captive. And what happened <gasps> was uh, Grom was so incensed by the cheek of these elves standing in his way that he mounted alive the high elf king on the front of his chariot, nailed him to the Ooh. front of the chariot, very much like Mad Max in Fury Road. Jesus. Mounted to the front of a chariot and basically was just vibrated to death. Um, so wow. Vibrated to death. <laughs> sounds awful. I mean, I chuckle, but that sounds horrific. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds hot. What are you like? When dildos go wrong. <laughs> Hi guys, it's Grom the Paunch here, and I'm back with another fitness campaign. This time, I'm losing the paunch. Yeah, I know, I know, what am I like? If like me, you might have put on a few pounds over the holiday season, I know how it is. The extra slice of squid pie, not letting the guts of your enemies go to waste, or... What's that? It's because I've consumed troll flesh which constantly regenerates in my guts. Nah, mate, I don't know what you're on about. You're, you're, you're having a giraffe. Anyway, it's time to kickstart your health drive with my brand new live 15-minute arboreal workout. Yeah! <laughs> That's right, I'll be broadcasting live every morning at 9 for the next 30 days to lose that paunch. So come and join me live. All you need to get involved is a tree, a positive mental attitude, and together we'll lose that paunch. Yeah! <laughs> so, come on, stop making excuses and join me to start your path to a healthier, better lifestyle now. Yeah, I know, I'm such a geezer. So, as a... Uh Grom continued to kind of devastate the countryside around Torrevris. The siege went into a kind of very protracted nature. And ultimately, after a few months, it looked like they were about to win, that Grom was going to be the de facto king of a whole province of Ulthuan. When from the skies, with a huge angry tweet, came <laughs> the son of the warden, came Eltharion the Grim on his mighty griffin, who had spent years fighting the Dark Elves to the north on the Blighted Isle, but also around Nagrathi and sporadic expeditions against Dark Elf outposts around Ulthuan. With him came his army of veterans, kind of real battle-hardened elves, and managed ultimately to turn the tide. So incensed was Altharion, not only by the death of his father, who had been nailed to the chariot, but by the destruction of the Waystone network which was exactly one waystone away from disrupting the Great Vortex itself, which would have devastated the world, and wow. ultimately sank Ulthuan to the bottom of the seas. Shit. So that would have happened. That would have happened. But it didn't happen. It didn't right, happen. Yeah, yeah. Here's what would have happened. 
The final battle of Tour of Rees was uh, cataclysmic with hundreds of thousands of greenskins slaughtered on the field through not only the magic of the high elves, uh, the high elf sorcerers they were facing, but also the disruptive network of the great vortex was beginning to lash out. Azol Blacktooth, who was mounted on a wyvern, was about to topple over the final waystone. Uh, Elfarian and a, a cabal of mages fought him to a standstill, and his skin and muscles were flayed from his body by huge magics from the high elves. Skinned alive. Yeah, this took the most of the impetus out of the orcs for whatever reason. You ultimately then had Wagram was stopped in its tracks and then not only fought to a standstill, but were forced to retreat really from the first time ever. Um, as the forces were effectively surrounded and the vengeful high elves constricted the movements of the Wa, more and more orcs and goblins were slaughtered. And ultimately, Grom was pitched from his chariot and if you can imagine, to the theme tune of Benny Hill, this little guy running around the place, slicing elves up with his axe, left, right, and center. Uh, Don't make me do it. Don't yeah. make me do it. <laughs> and, and ultimately, he disappeared from the battlefield, from this huge defeat, on the back of the very wyvern that old Blacktooth had been riding. And Grom the Paunch passed into history. The oh. goblins were hunted down and slaughtered. The ones that weren't killed were driven into the sea. The myth of uh, Grom the Paunch lived on in the old world as the greatest goblin warrior, goblin chief to have ever existed. Thus wow. passes the tale of Wa Grom. Holy May shit. he rest in pieces. I can't <laughs> help but think that mysterious weather was deliberate to steer Wargrom's fleet away from the lowlands and the, the stockpiles of loot that would have strengthened them and then, as a result, blew them into the lands of Ulthu and the lands of the High Elves to be absolutely decimated. I just have a feeling there was some 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 pre-planning there, some... Some magical jiggery-pokery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think you've touched it with a needle there. I think that all Blacktooth was influenced by the Chaos Gods. I think that's what had actually happened. Oh, uh, well, of course. It's either influenced by the Chaos Gods or by Gork and Mork themselves. They mm. would have wanted the disruption of the, the Great Vortex for different reasons. Uh, the Chaos right. Gods obviously wanted the forces of chaos and chaotic energy to be able to wash over the world once again. Um, uh, and Gork and Mork, I suspect, would have wanted that time of kind of chaos, in quotes, just so that the greenskin races could have a bloody good punch-up. Yeah, mm. totally. So that one act of destroying the Great Vortex would have led to both of those things. So Grom the Punch then just disappeared. Yeah, very much wow. like Grimgor Ironhide, yeah, just passed into history and passed into legend, certainly among the, the goblins. It's one of the few kind of named heroes that's brought up again and again as an aspirational goal for goblin warlords and goblin bosses. So we don't know. He could have died. He could have He could have run away. Yeah. Could have gone to like some sort of diet camp. No. <laughs> diet camp. Grom the Svelte, Grom the <laughs> Well, he's uh, he's held up as a kind of Arthurian character. 
in the kind of goblin lore in terms of at some stage when the goblins need him the most, he will return and lead a great <sighs> war across the world. That's okay. excellent. But this idea of uh, the influence of greenskins is quite common in other settings and indeed in the Warhammer settings where greenskins are used either as a distraction or as a blunt instrument to further the ideals of someone or something else. They don't have too much of their own agenda. I mean, yes, they want to conquer and dominate yeah. other races, but beyond that, they're not necessarily, you know, they haven't got a strategy like we need to destroy Outdorf because it's a good strategic thing here. It's just like they may just take over Outdorf on their campaign of looting and hacking and slashing and dominating the, the surrounding areas. Raping and pillaging, but not really with the raping. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 that kind of idea is progressed with the tale of Azag the Slaughterer. About a, a hundred years after Grom the Paunch was this orc warlord uh, who came to prominence in the troll country. So at the opposite side of the empire from the Badlands. So really uh, out of the normal kind of milieu that we found greenskins uh, in the past. The Troll country is a real harsh country. It's frozen, very much kind of like an angry Finland. Um, their uh, orc tribes are rivals. There's no allies between orc tribes at all. They're constantly under siege from chaos warriors from the trolls of the Troll country, but also of the uh, other monsters, beasts, and Kislevite patrols and armies that kind of range into the Troll country every now and then. For our listeners, the troll country sits between Kislev, which is north of the empire, and the Chaos Wastes proper. It's really a strip of land that is a monstrous place, literally a monstrous place. And it's the uh, the home of Clan Mulder's Hell Pit as well, no? Uh, no. Yes, sorry. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. is the answer it's, you're uh, looking for. Yes, far. it is, Chris. Yeah. But <laughs> <It's, laughs> well, fish. But yes. <laughs> well done, Chris. So our, our tale of Azag the Slaughterer, he comes to promise... Prom, sorry. Um, comes to promiscuity. He comes to promiscuity. <laughs> the great orc sluts of the north. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so his, his tribe was under siege from a, a band of chaos warriors. A, a, well, a band, an army. And he and his tribe, having no real kind of size or significance in terms of normal greenskin numbers, uh, retreats into the ruins of a subterranean city called Todheim. And he Todd spent time. much of the retreat clearing out demons and mutated monsters that are quite common in that part of the world. So ultimately, he was able to take the city as a kind of base, as a kind of uh, stopping point, a breathing point, and fight off the forces of chaos that were pursuing him. His tribe, secure and safe, he explores the ruins, comes across this ancient iron crown, which he promptly, being Azag the Dim, puts on his head. <laughs> uh -oh. Instantly, his mentality is under siege. There is a, a constant battle for control over not only his psyche, but his body. And try as he might, he could not remove the crown from his head. It was very much like the... Well, there isn't really an analogous thing. It's, it's like 
<laughs> he was he, he was partially possessed. When analogies fail, <laughs> I've hit a skyscraper like wall, um, so he just couldn't get out of his head. But the voice that came with this kind of mental siege was just simply saying, "You must head south. You must head south. Everything of importance is south of where you are now." He gathered his tribe together and thought, "You know, we'll just go for it." Um, do you want to fancy going south? I fancy going south. Yeah. Should we go south? Yeah, let's go yeah, south. Let's just go south. I don't know why. Let's just head south. So he, <laughs> it's not really clear whether he had capitulated or was the the kind of spirit that embodied this crown able to control him half the time. But ultimately, he led his tribe out of Todheim and started conquering other orc and greenskin tribes around him and forcing them into being his allies, something unheard of for greenskins in that region. His cunning in this is described as otherworldly. He suddenly became a lot smarter and a lot more politically savvy and manipulative than he had been previously, although I think that's very much a sliding scale with greenskins. Um, <laughs> he also was suddenly a magic user. He had the power of magic. But interestingly, it wasn't greenskin magic. It wasn't the wah magic, or the big or little wah magic. He was able to use the actual winds of magic rather than the kind of psychosocial powers of greenskin magic. He outmaneuvered all the rivals that he had already. He united the greenskins locally. Allies I've used the word allies, but really it was just pure subjugation. He, he beat his enemies into submission to follow him. And so his tribe just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Ultimately, at the Red Eye Mountains, his steed, a thing that it would become associated with him for the rest of his time, which was this huge wyvern. Now, wyverns are the kind of flying mount of choice for greenskins. Uh, and this one was helpfully called Skull Muncher. <laughs> guess what he eats did he did he introduce himself like that or did he call the wyvern that <laughs> i i think it's very rare even in the most outlandish of fantasy settings where a wyvern comes up and goes good evening my name is skull muncher <laughs> yeah did he do it in a bond style he's like you can call me muncher <laughs> skull muncher <laughs> <laughs> he was stroking a hairy troll yeah. <laughs> You're probably wondering why I've asked you here today. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, given his increasing use of dark magic, he set about conquering regions of Kislev with incredible speed for greenskin forces, and ultimately earned his name of the Slaughterer at the Battle of Butcher's Hill, where the surrounded human forces, a mix of Empire and Kislevite forces, held a small hill against this enormous orc tribe and instead of attacking, he himself, riding Skullmuncher, just decimated them with dark magic from the skies, ultimately landing and finishing off the rest by hand or, in the Wyvern's case, by mouth. Munching skulls, I suspect. Munching skulls. Where this, this dark magic, was it a particular wind, I forget, or was it like an unbalanced jobby? No, it's unbalanced, yeah. Right, okay. He was very successful and continued south. Given his successes, he got a bit more confident in combating the voice and spirit that was held within the crown. And instead of heading directly south, he decided, 
rather cheekily to head west along the North Empire and tried to take over the province of Osterwald in the north of the empire. Cocky bastard. This made the crown incredibly angry. (laughs) You don't want to do that. The crown really wanted to head south and continue its journey and objected strongly to any, not derailment, any... Tromboning. Tromboning. Deviation. Deviation. Mm. Any... Yeah, and objected strongly to any deviation from its state of desire. Ultimately, at the Battle of Osterworld, Azag the Slaughterer perished. He was killed by Werner von Kreikstad, who was the knight commander of the Knight's Panther. If you recall, very briefly we discussed, I think it was episode four or five, that the Empire has a lot of knightly orders where these are crusading style knights, like the Knights Templar and the Knights Hospitler. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so these guys are usually bedecked in uh, blue and gold armor. They're wearing the skins of panthers as cloaks or as kind of uh, fancy shoulder decoration. And they're very, very accomplished warriors. With the death of Azag, the kind of animating spirit of the Wad disappeared and they were able to drive off the remaining Greenskins in short order. They fled north back to their troll country homes and very much kind of took up life as was, where it was pure rivalry between all the tribes and there were no alliances. And karma was restored. However, the Grand Theogenist, who's this high priest of Sigmar, upon encountering the body of Azag, recognized instantly Uh the crown, the iron crown that he'd worn on his head, what's called the crown of sorcery. (sighs) Took it back to Altdorf, where within the deepest vault of the Temple of Sigmar, right down at the very kind of foundations of the earth, Past the janitor's closet, past the (laughs) boiler room. (laughs) Somewhere near the air conditioning controls. Way past the man draw. (laughs) (laughs) Past every single security measure that was available to the Temple of Sigmar. Listeners will remember that the Temple of Sigmar, the witch hunters in this world, the Inquisition in quotes, and placed the crown in that vault. Because the Grand Theogenes had realized this was the very crown that Nagash had worn at <gasps> his death at Cripple Peak. Holy oh my God. shit sticks. Agash, Agash, Agash. Fantasy boner time. <laughs> We've come full circle. I've, I'm about to come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, perhaps a bit clumsily this time around, this story illustrates not only the accomplishments and power available to the greenskin race, but also the ease, in quotes, with which they can be manipulated by other agendas or beings Mm. with other agendas, be they gods or the spirits of departed necromancers. And that's it. That's my lot for this month. Wow. So hold on. What was the crown wanting to go south for? Was it trying to find Nagash? It was trying to return to uh, Nagash's R. It was trying mm. to head south, so through Troll Country, through Kislev, down the eastern section of the Empire, through Blackfire Pass, through the Borderlands, through the Badlands with all the orcs and goblins, and then hanging left at the Sour Sea to get to Nagashazar. Yeah, it was trying to find its master. Holy that's, that's, moly. That's where all things are when you don't know the directions. It's just down there on the left. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Time. 
So and then there. Just, go down there wanna, on the left. Yeah, go go down there, turn left, and then ask someone else. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll 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 point you in the right direction, though. So the crown was trying to compel the orc to go back to Nagashazar so it could try and I don't know, regroup and become whole with Nagash eventually or something. But the orc did manage to, after a while, did manage to assert his own authority over it. He got confident with it. He got used to he got used to the nagging voice in his mind going, no, 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 you know what? I'm going east or west. I'm not going south. Yeah. I think it's to do with the kind of psychic bow wave that comes with masked green skins. It, it produces a fairly substantial bulwark against influence. Mm. What I've noticed about the Greenskins so far is their lack of anything really to do directly with chaos. You know, all mm, yeah. content so far up until the Greenskins has been revolved around chaos, be it the realm of chaos, the chaos gods, how chaos basically forms the basis of all magic for all races in the world. But the Orcs don't care for it and they don't have any direct use for it. In fact, they've got their own war, haven't they, where they get their own magical energy from anyway. They're, they do, they're yes. affected by it and can be guided by it, but not directly. They don't depend on it like the Skaven love warpstone, unrefined, solidified chaos. Yeah, they're, they're completely independent, removed from it. It's a good it's a good point. I actually hadn't considered that. I've been so lost in the in the storytelling. I hadn't really I'd almost forgot about chaos, which, you know, is a thing. But are they corruptible? Yeah. <laughs> it's a significant thing. It is a significant <laughs> thing. I mean, fuck, it's been a pretty significant yeah. part of my life for the last, you know, year. It's um, <laughs> um uh, are they corruptible, the orcs? Uh, I think on a on a on an individual basis, yes. I think uh, if you read between the lines with old Blacktooth from Grom the Paunch, he was influenced by, I'm assuming the forces of chaos, could be Gork and Mark. There are, uh, in the very kind of early versions of the game, so I'm thinking something like 3rd edition, the game ended at 8th edition, you could end up with possessed orcs or chaos champions who just happen to be orcs. Um, That's cool. So. Chaos is open to all in terms of a, it's an equal opportunity mutator. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like fighting for chaos, it's not really a thing. They might tag along in a battle or in a campaign, you know, they might just kind of almost be like camp followers, just picking up the the spares, but they're as often victims of a, of a chaos war as they are benefiting from the kind of table scraps of the same battle, yeah. You, you use the word corruptible. Are the did you say are the greenskins corruptible? Ben, I think they're corrupted inherently, and they're just persuadable. If that's a word, you know, I don't think you can corrupt the orcs inherently because they're not bad. They're not good. They're just like dogs chasing cars, aren't they? You know, they just they're just. They just run on instinct. You can't corrupt that, but you can point them in certain directions. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think they're, yeah, their long-term plans stretch no further than the reach of their arm. But mm. they, they don't have any kind of huge driving focus. I think individually, they can be corrupted. I think you're right. It's more likely that they're going to be influenced. Yeah, I mean, directed. that's what the, the two stories... Yeah, the two yeah. stories I've just told to this month, they're influenced. But in both cases, it was one orc was taken over 
or influenced by a foreign entity. In mm. Azag's case, it was Nagash. In Old Blacktooth's case, you know, Chaos and or Gorkamork. Mm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. early on, like one of the early episodes when you were describing orcs, you and I think we were referencing the 40k IP that, you know, they were often manipulated by other races in as much as, you know, if you want to engage an enemy of yours, you just point the orcs in that direction and they'll go fuck their day up. But yeah, you can see how like it's easy for the for other races to kind of manipulate them en masse, but you could never calculate for the action of an individual and that individual's influence over the the masses. Like, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I I quite like the idea of like yeah, like a corrupted black orc. That sounds like a fucker of a force to be reckoned with, doesn't it? But like I say, mm. how how would you corrupt an orc? An orc's instinct is just a for to it. fight and there's probably is a squig for it but an orc's instinct is just to <laughs> fight and dominate and be bigger and better so to what is the corrupted version of that it's it'll be a really nice polite orc who's like <laughs> makes you cake excuse <laughs> me the other orcs would look at me and go oh my god he's been corrupted <laughs> you know a, a, an orc an orc shaman being kind of enticed by zinch to become a more accomplished shaman and magical manipulator yeah, yeah. and uh, an orc being corrupted by nurgle getting nurgle's rot and slowly degenerating into this and kind of being guided into worship of uh, nurgle oh my god an uh, orc corrupted know. by slanesh gross does that does that happen can you get orcs that worship or become corrupted by chaos gods because Orcs are pretty self-righteous. They don't. They care for no one apart from maybe Gork and Mork, their own gods. You know, as mentioned earlier, in earlier editions of the game, that was possible. Not now. You can't play that on the table now. Oh, you can't play a Nurgle wor- worshiping Black Orc. Yeah, whereas you could before. Do you remember uh, a, a while back? You mentioned um, we were talking about the, the possibility of like undead Skaven. And you said that there was, in one yeah. of the early versions of, of Warhammer Fantasy, there was a, a kind of a little battalion or whatever it was of like undead different races. Did you have undead orcs in there? Yes, you had a, an undead, you had undead orcs and the standard bearer was an undead goblin. Wow. Oh yeah, because didn't um, Cripple Peak, didn't, um, so Nagash was like reincarnating dead Skaven, but weren't there greenskins involved in that? battle as well not at, eventually yes there were because if you remember he required orc captives to sacrifice That's right uh, and to ship down to kemri to take over and enact his great final ritual yes uh, which is where he was uh, killed by the skaven and elements of his armor and his own personage uh, were distributed around the world so the fell blade, the blade that killed him, was washed into the Badlands, as was the crown of sorcery, as was the hand of Nagash uh, as well. <laughs> Forgot about the hand of Nagash. Jesus. <laughs> the hand of Nagash. All I remembered is Chris's really unflattering characterization of the death of Alcadizar, who was found <laughs> uh, face down, ass up in a bog. <laughs> yeah. With a bicycle parked in between his butt cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> and people just walking past going another ass spider addict <laughs> yeah <laughs> ass spider addict <laughs> uh, 
All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about the topics we've discussed in this podcast, you can find all the reference articles in the show notes or on our website at layingdownthelore.com. You can also reach us on our socials and we've got a heap of bonus content available on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash layingdownthelore. We'll be back again next month displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, bye. See you laters. Don't put on any mysterious hats. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Uh.